history will be made in the Western Conference Finals. No matter who wins, the Peds, the Pens and Preds are going golfing while Alex Ovechkin plays on. The Kyle Dubas era has begun in Toronto. And what would you do if your team made it to the MasterCard Memorial Cup? Well, three teams did. We got the host in as well. Episode 125 starts right now. And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. And we're neck deep in the conference finals right now, so we'll break down the East and the West, and we'll explain why Nashville and Pittsburgh missed out. And today we've got a very special guest on the program that will help make sense of it all. Uh, Andrew Dewhurst, first of all, thanks so much for agreeing to speak with us on this Monday afternoon. Uh, just quickly tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, yeah, my name, my name is Andrew Dewhurst. I do. A, I work quite a bit in the, the fan, with quite a bit of fantasy hockey and fantasy baseball, so uh, I've got a podcast that I do with uh, friends at Fantasy Benefits for both baseball and hockey, uh, and I you know, write weekly about fantasy hockey, uh, and I'm, you know, just a general hockey fan, like uh, I assume many of our listeners are. Now, uh, we usually ask our guests who their favorite NHL hockey team is. Do you pledge allegiance to any team, Andrew? I, I do. Uh, I'm not sure I want to talk about it right now, but uh, I, I am an Ottawa Senators fan. Hey, welcome to the misery, buddy. So am I. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, let uh the confusion begin. Oh, this off season's that gonna was, be glorious. That <laughs> was the re- that was the real reason uh, Steve was excited to have you on here. I guess uh, I told him. I was him, hoping we would we yeah. we would uh, go on earlier to gain up on Brett's Bruins, but uh, I guess we can't do that this year. But no. it's all good. You uh, could have so last year that conversation for a little while. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You could have last well, year. Uh, yeah. So for the first time since 2011, neither the Pens, Kings, or Blackhawks will win the Stanley Cup. And this is the first time since 2011 that all three did not make an appearance in the Final Four. Uh, Brett, uh, where are we? Are we going to go the East or the West? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Um, I'll. Uh, we're, we're, I guess, as you know, we, we're starting the show a little uh, differently this time around. So, uh, but uh, yeah, we're we're going to start with the East, um, just because uh, they have more games last time. Uh, so that's the Washington Capitals. They, by the way, I called it Steve. The Capitals are on to the uh, to the conference finals, um, and in fact, they won two games already um, at the Tampa Bay Lightning's uh, dome or home crowd. Um, they, they weren't even really close. The game one was, um, I think it was. Hold on, let me look right here. It was four. Well, the, sco- uh, the score was four to two, but they were up four nothing after two periods, right. and Vasilevsky got the hook as well. So. And then game two was six two. I was I was just yeah. looking at the score. So uh, yeah, so both games weren't really close at all. Um, but yeah, that's a good point. And when it was four two, like it was one of those games where the score wasn't as close um, as the you know, as the, the score looked. Um, but, uh, so Andrew, since we have you on, we know you're short for time. 
Uh, what do you think of this series so far? And predictions. Well, I, yeah, I think it's a, I mean, f- from what I've seen so far, I mean, it's, you know, a further outing of the, you know, Kuznetsov coming out party. I mean, if you didn't think he was, you know, among the, the league's best before this, I think you're going to probably have to believe it now. Um, but I mean, the other thing to keep an eye on is, you know, if there's any team we know that can cough up a two game lead and have looked dominating through two, through two, it's the Washington Capitals. Yep. They've done it. You know, I mean, no team probably in the last five years has been a such poor playoff performer, probably even goes back 10 years now as, as the Capitals. I mean, you look at the numbers, everything looks in favor of, of Washington. They're heading home for the next two. I mean, I, I kind of have a 50-50 look on this. You know, if the, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Capitals swept this and this was finally their year and, you know, Alex Ovechkin finally gets, gets that cup. But at the same time, like, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, Tampa wakes up, goes, goes to Washington, wins two, you know, and we're, we're back on even ground heading the rest of the way. Um, have a, yeah, that is a fair take, and kind of something I agree with. It's it seems like the what the Capitals have figured it out, but then at the same time, this is the Capitals we're talking about, so they could screw it up. Um, anyways, even though they do have a two zero lead going into their home, um, you know, arena pretty soon. So, Steve, what what is your take? Well, uh, Tampa Bay head coach John Cooper mentioned how his team hasn't had a person step up every night. It's a new guy every night. They're winning by committee. And if you're the Caps, that's very tough to stop. But in a way, the Penguins, I think, were kind of the same. They had so much talent that despite the dominance of Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel, they could win a game if Phil Kessel had a big shift or if Evgeny Malkin had a big shift. Uh, The list goes on and on. And in round two, Brayton Point was the guy that kind of stepped up and took charge. And, you know, you've seen Steven Stamkos at certain points. You've seen Nikita Kucherov at certain points. Um, But throughout the playoffs, neither, to me, have been flat-out dominant. And I think they need one of those two guys to be flat-out dominant as of right now. Because you take a look at what the Washington Capitals have been able to do. Every single time they've looked at history down to nothing to Columbus everyone thought they were done going into overtime okay this is where it all falls apart and they get that little glimpse of life and they win four straight and then they go into Pittsburgh and they uh they beat the Penguins a team that to them was probably unbeatable and they Mm. finally beat them so this whole run of looking at history in the face and saying you know what screw you we don't care Um, I think that poses a very big problem for Tampa Bay, especially when you consider that Tampa Bay got outscored five to nothing in the second period combined in games one and two in their own building. And now they're going into Washington down to nothing in the series. That's a pretty big hole to climb out of, and they need someone to step up there. Um, I do think that Washington needs to win game three because – they were down 2 nothing, as I said, to Columbus. They're up 2 nothing right now. This could easily blow up right in their face. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, I, gotta, I don't think this series is over, um, per se, uh, especially since this kind of 
the same kind of thing happened to Tampa Bay in the last series against the Bruins, unfortunately for me. But, like, uh, so it... I, I wouldn't say that it's I wouldn't completely count the lightning out. Um, I think Washington has played better than the Bruins have played against the lightning. So there is that. I also want to give a shout out to uh, Kuznetsov, who has I think five points um, in uh, the in these two games, and Ovechkin's actually turned it on as well. Um, he has uh, four points. Um, in these uh, two games as well. So it looks like, like how that's... About, how about Lars Eller, too? I believe he had a yeah. 3.9 in game two as well. And also Nicholas Backstrom wasn't in game one, so that's um, even more impressive that they were able to win one game without one of their best players in Backstrom um, in game one. So that is, that is all impressive. I, I, I don't know. I still think... The Lightning will win a couple of games, but these first two games have kind of convinced me that the Capitals might actually make it out. So I'm going to say the Caps in six. What are you guys' predictions? Either one can speak up. Uh, Caps in seven. Andrew? It really makes me want to go the other way on this. I think it's actually going to be probably the Capitals in five. Wow. Uh, but if that's, I mean, to me, all this comes down to if Vasilevsky can't post a save percentage that starts in a nine, yeah. then, uh, you know, the, the Lightning just don't have a chance. Like, you're not going to sure. score seven goals a game. So, not, I mean, Holpe's not that, not that goalie. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go with five. Okay. Well, all right. Well, uh, interesting. I guess where those two games uh, convinced all three of us. Um all right, let's go to the the, the other series uh, quickly. Um, uh, so the Vegas Golden Knights and the Winnipeg Jets um, are those two teams. These are like the two franchises that, you know, have historically never, I mean, they're basically pretty new, um, whereas the Winnipeg Jets used to be the Atlanta Thrashers. The, this is the Vegas Golden Knights. First uh, year in existence, so that's exciting. Um, but uh, it turns out that uh, it looks like Vegas, Vegas had won all their games, and like you know, it seemed like they were it was a breeze for them in the first two rounds. But this time, it seemed like uh, Winnipeg was, or in game one at least, Winnipeg was uh, actually taking care of business and. Um, they got up to three unanswered goals in the first period, um, and then um, and then Vegas did score in the first period as well. But then, um, you know, after that, Winnipeg just sort of took control of everything. Um, there were two other goals, but it ultimately didn't matter. Winnipeg won four to two. Um, so Andrew, again, since you're we're short for time for you. Um, what what do you think of this series, and what do you make of it? I think there's still going to be a lot of hockey left to play in this series. Okay. Um, I mean, both, both these are these are two good teams. Mm. Uh, I mean, Vegas being more of the whole team, uh, and you know, Winnipeg's obviously got some elite talent. Uh, I mean, Mark Shifley's probably, you know, is probably the best player, the best 
player left in in this series for sure. Yeah. Uh, possibly, you know, pretty underrated. Might even be the best overall player left in the playoffs uh, outside of maybe uh, Kucherov, but well, maybe Stamkos as well. But uh, I mean, Winnipeg's not short on talent, um, and you know the the MTS Center in in Winnipeg, I think, is going to prove to be a pretty big advantage for them. Uh, I think one thing that maybe some people don't know about that arena is that it's it's an old school style barn. Like it's like it only holds twelve or fifteen thousand people in it. So when it gets loud in there, it's going to get really loud in there. Um, so I mean, it, it's going to be fun to watch. I mean, personally, I, I'd love to see the Jets Jets pull through this one and, mm-hmm. and move forward and and this uh, what twenty five year run of without having a Canadian team win a Stanley Cup. I think but, so. I think the Cabs. The Habs won in '93. If, if I recall yeah, correctly, yeah, yeah, twenty-five years this year. So, um, but that being said, you know, the Knights didn't get here by accident, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they got you know, roll the lines. They got a lot of speed, and uh, you know, Mark Andre Fleury continues to to play. You know, play great night in and nine out. Then this is probably going to be a six or seven game series. Yeah, that that that's a good point. I think this game will, you know, it's only one game and so far, and um, we don't know exactly. Um, you know, of course, it's like the the old saying goes: whoever wins, uh, like the series doesn't really get going until the away team wins the game. So that hasn't happened yet. Um, so, uh, Steve, what is, what is your take similar to Andrews? Um, originally I thought Vegas had the upper hand in this series after Nashville, uh, forced the game seven on a Thursday night, because through all this time, Vegas is sitting at home waiting to see who they're going to face in round three, right. while Nashville and Winnipeg are just beating the crap out of one another and just exhausting themselves. And on top of that, regardless of won that game seven, as we all know, it turned out to be Winnipeg, they'd be playing less than 48 hours later against a fully rested Vegas team that thrives on speed. Um, uh, in my opinion, that was a pivotal factor in the Winnipeg-Nashville series, which, again, kind of adds to the fatigue level. But then, once Winnipeg won Game 7, the low voice in my head did a complete 360. That win over the Nashville Predators was probably the biggest win in both past and present Winnipeg Jets history. They just beat the best team in the entire league, a team that many predicted would win the Stanley Cup. They won three of four games inside Bridgestone Arena, the fortress of doom in last year's playoffs for visiting clubs, and to an extent it was that this year as well in the regular season. And the only game they lost in that building was in double OT. So they could easily won that as well. If the Jets are able to ride that level of momentum and adrenaline into round three, which, you know, taking a 3 nothing lead before the 10-minute mark of the first period, I'd say they were able to do that in game one. Yeah. I think Vegas has met their match here. And I kind of want Winnipeg to win simply because you, you, you look at all of the teams, like the Sens, who have waited 25 years to see a Stanley Cup get hoisted, the Arizona Coyotes, who have gone through years of turmoil and losing seasons, and the only time they made it to the third round was in 2012. Um, to watch Vegas first year go straight to the finals, I think would just – make a lot of fans' stomachs churn. So I would love to see a franchise like Winnipeg get rewarded. 
Yeah, I I think Winnipeg is certainly capable of making a run, and they certainly look like a really you know like the best team out there um, this year. Uh, you know, in game one, um, but it's you know it's also like I, I wouldn't count out the Golden Knights just yet. Um, Neither would I. Yeah, and um, and I, it looks like. If you were watching the second period, it looked like it got really, really chippy. Like, there was a bunch of different punches thrown and all that stuff. So it should be, a, like, a fun, aggre- like, aggressive series, which is which is kind of awesome if you're into that old-school hockey-type vibe to things. Um, and also, I'll say from an American perspective, um, I actually, like, I mean, usually, like, unless it's, like, the Canadians or, eh, I guess, the Leafs, maybe... Like, I don't really care about the other Canadian teams as much winning the Cup. Um, and the Winnipeg Jets are, like, a really an exciting team. Um, and um, so, like, I, I'm all for the Jets winning the, the Stanley Cup here um, if, if they do do that um, and breaking that Canadian drought um, that people have been talking about. Um, also, uh, you know, the... You know, like uh, Andrew was mentioning, they have Mark Shifley, the Jets have Mark Shifley, who's one of the best players currently in the playoffs. They also have Blake Wheeler, who's really good. Patrick Line is really exciting. Uh, Dustin Bufflin um, is is awesome too. So, um, so they they have a great team uh, core together. That's an exciting thing, and I'm personally also rooting for them as well. Um. But yeah, I wouldn't necessarily count the Golden Knights just yet, just because you know we haven't we you know this we've always been counting them out throughout the entire season, um, and you know and they have a good team. You know they have guys like Jonathan Marchessault, William Carlson has been a revelation late uh, this season. So um, I wouldn't just say that they're out, and that's why I'm saying it's. I still think the Jets are going to win. But I'm gonna say uh, the it's gonna be a seven game series, so Jets and seven. Um, Andrew, what is is that a fair assessment? I think so. Uh, I would say you know I'm gonna give a bit of a hometown discount on that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I mean as far as hometown, that's extremely far away. But yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say Jets and six. Oh wow, well, okay. Um, and yeah. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Andrew and say Jets in six as well. Okay, cool. Uh, Mostly because we cheer for the same team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're just... Um, so, yeah, uh, I think that's about it uh, for... Well, it's one thirty now for uh, Andrew, so um, um, I don't know if you have anything else you want to say, Andrew, but um, thanks for, uh, for taking your time and uh, being here today. Yeah, no problem again, guys. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, you know, as far, if you get to your uh, Memorial Cup predictions, uh, go Bulldogs. <laughs> Hamilton's yeah. like 20 minutes from my house, so it's, right. it's pretty close to me. Well, uh, thanks again, uh, Andrew. And uh, hopefully the next time we talk, uh, Eric Carlson will still be with the Sens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or they've gotten the rest of the league in return for a trade. Yeah, somehow. <laughs> yeah, one, one of the two will take that. All right, guys, thanks again. Have a great day. Take care, my friend. You too. All right, that was cool. Thank you, Andrew, again. Um, 
Yeah, uh, I don't know if we have anything more you want to say on either series, Steve, but I think we'll go to the rapid fire if that's okay. Uh, well, I, I, I do have a couple of things. Uh, did you notice the officiating uh, in Tampa and Washington game two? Um, a little. There was one call against TJ Oshie that was absolutely dreadful. Uh, or, yeah, yeah, it was against TJ Oshie. Oh, yeah, yeah, it so was. So TJ Oshie, it looks like... His stick is near Victor Hedman's face. He never makes contact with him. The puck actually deflects off Oshie's stick blade, hits Hedman in the face. They still call Oshie for high sticking. Wow. Like, yeah. Just, I, I, I can understand. I, like, did they, did they get the same rest from the Bruins-Tampa series? Like, Maybe. what the heck is going on? Well, oh, yeah. I do see this penalty call. This was in the first period. Um, actually, I wasn't watching it. I started watching the second period. But, um, yeah, the, uh, that does seem kind of ridiculous from what you were under, what you were talking about. I did also notice that Tom Wilson scored, like, in the first, like, 30 minutes, seconds of the yeah, game. Yeah, within the first 30 seconds, yeah. That, we talk about Washington and the quick yeah. starts that they've had. There's another example of that. Yeah, um... But yeah, it seemed like, I don't know if it really mattered, considering that the Capitals ended up winning a lot, by a lot, but yeah, I guess that that does seem a little unfair. Um, I, I'm also interested to see what how, how they utilize Dmitry Orlov going forward, because there are times uh, on the rush where uh, Barry Trotz was using uh, Dmitry Orlov in his speed, and that caused a pair of good scoring chances off of his stick in the second period. Uh, neither of those chances went in, but he got some good looks. He also had eight points in his previous 10 games. So uh, if, if they start using their defense in another rush like that, uh, that's even worse for Tampa Bay. Yeah, I'm I'm just looking at the Oshi uh, quote-unquote high-sticking. I kind of, it's funny because this takes me back to when, um, had like back to the the Lightning Bruins series where yeah. Pasternak was called for uh, um, I think it was also it was like tripping but like it didn't even touch Hedman and it happened to be Hedman too um, so that so yeah yeah it was the puck that hit Hedman it wasn't Oshie's stick that's crazy um, yeah. Anyways. There was also this interesting quote uh, from Nikita Kucherov after game one. I wanted to share it with you guys. Okay. So uh, here it is. Quote, we need to make sure we get back there tomorrow and do everything we can and ensure fans are enjoying the game, not like yesterday. We do not want to see fans paying money for tickets and come to see there's no game. We want to make it enjoyable for the fans. They want to see plays. They want to see goals and good saves. That is what we want to do tomorrow. Every night we want to appreciate them for coming and making and make those little plays. There's a bunch of kids in the stands, and some of them want to be hockey players, and I want them to talk the next day and say, I saw Stammer make this nice play. It was really nice. I want to try and practice. We want to make sure they love it and we play the right way, end quote. Um, they didn't do that in game two, but nope. uh, ho- hopefully if they carry that into game three, we might see that resurgence from Tampa Bay we've been warning about. All right. Well... That's interesting. We'll see. We'll they see cer- he certainly has the mindset. They just need to put pen to paper and get to it. Right. Yeah, for sure. You uh, also mentioned to me off the air um, how, how it was funny when Vegas got involved with that Pittsburgh-Ottawa trade because they didn't want Winnipeg to get Broussard. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Right. So um, if you remember, I think this was in February or March, maybe. Uh, well, anyway, so it was right before the trade deadline. Yeah, Winnipeg, so, yeah, late, late February, early March, yeah, something like that, yeah. Um, the, the Penguins and the Senators had a deal where it was, uh, I think it was like Broussard goes to the Penguins, and then I forget who the Senators got, but what the craziest... I know goaltending prospect Philip Gustafson was one right. of the guys that the Sens got in return. That's right. Um, and, a late, and a late first round pick, but yeah. Um, and anyways, then the, um, but what was weird about this trade was that Vegas got involved because they were going to retain, I think, like 75% of Broussard's contract for a guy that never played for them. Um, and I, I remember at that time, I was, like, really confused and didn't understand why they would do this kind of thing. And reportedly, um, this was because that the Winnipeg Jets were in on Derek Broussard, and, um, and they the Golden Knights didn't want Broussard to go to the Western Conference, um, and supposedly that team was the Winnipeg Jets. And I thought that was even more strange because it's like the odds of the Golden Knights and the Jets making it to the conference finals are highly unlikely. But now, <laughs> I know, funnily, funnily enough, that's what happened, but it's... But even crazier is that the Winnipeg Jets ended up getting Paul Stasny, who's arguably better than um, the Penguin um, than uh, Broussard is, and you also and like Stasny was one of the best players in that Game Seven against the Preds. So I mean, and the, he was one of the best players yeah. in that entire series. True. So like. You know the the uh, it could have been Preds nights if Broussard was on that on the Jets team. Um, even so, so, it's kind of funny now that like Vegas now has to deal with Paul Stasny instead of Derek Broussard, um, yeah. which is just funny. I mean, like it's it's one of those things that it's all hypothetical. Who knows what would have happened? But um, it is kind of funny that like. Oh well, that like this is like a really, really high coincidence that like you weep, you reap what you sow kind of thing situation. Yeah. Um, let's go to the rapid fire. Speaking of all that, uh, we can do an obituary for the Penguins as we because uh, since the last we talked, um, we uh, I I told I said that if this if that series went to seven, I think the Penguins might have been able to win. Um, but now it seems like, you know, the, the Capitals won in six, um, uh, thanks to a Kuznetsov OT goal. Um, and, uh, it was funny too, cause like all the Caps fans were acting like this was a Stanley cup and in a way it kind of was, you know, cause that was their big goal is they have to get past the Penguins, even if it's in the second round, like they don't, I mean. So, um, so that was kind of the, that was kind of, uh, interesting dilemma now. And that's what makes uh, the playoffs exciting is anything can happen. I wouldn't um, go as far to say it was their miracle on ice, but like, yeah. be, because it was similar in a way because, you know, everyone remembers that win against uh, the USSR, What people forget is they had to go through another team to actually win the gold medal. 
Yeah. People talk more about the game against the Soviets than the game where they actually needed to win in order to capture the gold medal. Right, exactly. So, um, and um, what was what I found interesting too is like guys like Phil Kessel. He didn't really show up in the second round, where even though he did in the first round, Chris Letang is getting a lot of heat for. Um, uh, kind of like Jake Gardner was in the first round, um, but like in the second round, it seems like Chris Letang is getting a lot of heat for um, for his play in the in the playoffs. Um, and um, it, I don't know. I guess they it also like Matt Murray hasn't been as good as he has been in the past you know past two years. Um, so it seems like maybe I don't know um, Matt Murray. Uh, like it's just, uh, it also has to. You have to consider the fatigue factor and yeah. all this stuff. All a lot of these guys have been playing, uh, you know, two more months, four more months than all the other teams, just because you know they've been in the playoff. They've been in action since June the past two seasons. So, so there is that factor of things too. And they have less time to recharge and, and regroup. Yeah. And they're and- slightly. They're a slightly Prepare different team. The They're a slightly different team um, from last season, so there's that also to consider as well. But um, yeah, the I mean, I, I feel like this is definitely a disappointment for the the winner uh, for the Pittsburgh Penguins um, this year. But um, I don't know if they do anything too drastic this year um, per se because it doesn't. They don't. I'm looking at their cap friendly page. Um, they only have a, they have a couple of RFAs, um, in Riley Sheehan, Dominic, Simone, Brian Rust, I guess Brian Rust is a big guy that they should probably sign, um, Tom Kunakel. He's got 28 goals and 66 points in 126 regular season games, it's his last 126 regular season games, so that's over the past two years, and uh, he also has 16 career NHL postseason goals, so... That's good bottom six production. And he's kind of replaced Connor Sheary in terms of um, just his role. Um, and then um, you also have Tom Kunakel and Jamie Oleskiak. Oleskiak are also RFAs um, next year. But, like, they don't have any UFAs next year, which is... Um, yeah, really big-name UFAs for sure. And, uh, no, they you, don't you, even you have take, any. You, you take a look at... Uh, a lot of those uh, RFAs yep. um, are making less than a million per season. Yes. And right now they're less than, they got less than 500 grand of cap space to work with right now. Yep. And the way Alexiak played and the way Brian Russ played, they're probably uh, due to, to at least make around $2 million a year, I would think. Uh, so, yep. which is why I think if the salary cap goes up, that's going to be huge news for Jim Rutherford. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, and like I said, the exception of Sheehan, all the names that you mentioned are making less than a million a year. So, um, that'll be interesting. What's going to be interesting is after next year, because you have Haglin at three to six, who's going to be making 3.67 million next year. You have Derek Broussard making 2.1 million next year. All our, both of those guys are UFAs after, um, the 2018, 2019 season, uh, Casey DeSmith, uh, one of their backups, Chad Ru- Ruidel, 
uh, one of their young defensemen. Both are RFAs in need of a new contract. UFAs. Or, uh, both are UFAs, sorry. And and then a pair of uh, RFAs that need to be re-signed are Zach Aston-Reese and Jake Gensel. Yep. And depending on how those guys play, at least one of them's probably going to be asking for a contract above $4 million per year. Uh, yeah, so... So, I, I, I think... I think next year, I think all this uh, rest is going to do the Penguins good. I don't think they need to do much. I think they just need everyone to be energized, motivated, refreshed, and ready to go. Um, Because this team can win a Stanley Cup again. Yep. But they need everyone on board, um, and, and they need everyone on the same page. And I think... If Kessel and Malkin uh, can continue to dominate and Crosby can continue to dominate and we see more of the good Jake Gensel, um, there, there's no arguing uh, whether or not the Penguins can win. I think they can win again, and I than a lot of people think. Um, but I think next year is going to be a big year for them because the longer uh, they have uh, with that uh, group of veterans – and those big contracts, yeah. um, and the more they have to resign those young guys, uh, that's going to take away from their cap window because people forget that uh, that uh, Evgeny Malkin's contract expires at the same time Crosby's average annual value uh, goes down to three million. Oh, interesting! I didn't even realize and both that. Both of those guys during that time before that happens are making at least nine million per year. Right, because this was before the the lockout. So, um, yeah. So yeah, they're they're one of those teams. Um, but yeah, th- that is a good point. Uh, so the Predators went out not in a similar way as the Penguins did, but um, it was in a game seven, um, and uh, Pekka Rene gave up two really soft goals um, in the first period. Um, and then UC Saros had to come in, um, and then he didn't really, I mean, he was okay in the first period, but then, um, and then he didn't really, um, he gave up a lot of other goals, so it was kind of, it was kind of over in the first period, it seemed like. It wasn't as eventful of a game seven, um, as we were expecting, um, but yeah, the, um, so the Predators are out. Um, they're also a t- another team that was out, um, you know, last season. They lost to the Penguins in the Stanley Cup Finals. They also won the President's Cup Trophy. Of course, the President's tro- Trophy doesn't mean much unless, you know, the, that curse is still alive. Um, so, but, um, but yeah, they have... Um, they're in some good shape as well, um, although Mike Fisher officially retired. It looks like this time it's for good. It looks like he injured his knee or something um, towards the end of this uh, series. So Yeah, in Game um, 7 he was MIA. He didn't play at all. So it's not going to be like a Brett Favre situation where it's like, oh, uh, I'll, be be- I'll see you guys later. Um, yeah, but, he yeah. said he's milked this dream long enough. It's bone dry. He's not attempting yeah. another comeback. That's it. It's over. Um, and then, uh, but and then you have Scott Hartnell, who's going to be UFA next year as well. Um, Alexi Emelin, UFA. UC Saros is going to be a RFA. 
Um, but other than that, they don't really have a ton of... Oh, Ryan Hartman and Nika Salo-Mackey are also going to be RFAs next, this offseason. Um, but, um, but other than that, they don't have a ton of worry in terms of free agents um, and who's going to be gone uh, next year. But, um, yeah, I think the Predators are also somewhat in good shape. I did see that there were rumors that P.K. Subban was going to be traded as well, but I think that's just Canadian media trying to stir something, like saying like he like they're still trying to say that he's a bad teammate, but I don't think that's actually there's any validity to it. So I even hate bringing it up, but um, I think P.K. Subban. See, the difference is. David Poyle, in my opinion, is smarter than Mark Bergevin. I yeah. don't think he would do that, especially Same if he had to trade uh, Shea Weber for B.K. Subban. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess there is also that point of, like, if like if you do trade a guy like P.K. Subban, you, like, Poyle will definitely get a good return back. But I yeah, don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, you can be sure of that. Yeah. And, and you talk about uh, defense and a bit of the uncertainty there. In 2019... Uh, some guy named Brian Ellis, who's making $3 million, yep. is going to become a UFA. They're going to need to sign him. Pecorine, who's making $7 million, he's a UFA. Uh, Kevin Fiala and Colton Sissons, who have both improved in different ways, are mm. restricted free agents. So, again, uh, like the Penguins, 20, the summer of 2019 is going to be a big offseason. Yep. So, I definitely think that the Preds have a lot to prove. Um for 2018, 2019, and they got to treat like a big season. Yeah, I think that is a good point in terms of like the fact that both Rene and Ellis are both going to be UFAs next year, the year after. Um, that kind of like shows that maybe their window is closing. I mean, surely like Rene is, you know, he was one of the main reasons why they lost Game Seven. Um, so. So maybe Saros is the guy. He's of course, and Rene is going to be thirty six at that point. Um, and of course, Ellis isn't necessarily like you know the like they could afford to lose him, but he's also one of the reasons why the Predators are so good because of their depth in defensemen. So um, so that will be interesting to see how that develops. Um, but yeah, so maybe their window is closing. Those two losses may hurt them in the long run, um, but we'll see. Um, now we talk about losses. I, I wanted to tackle this this um, demise of the Preds because I think, in my opinion, Winnipeg did everything they could to win this series, but I also think the Preds didn't help themselves. Um, this is a team that was perfectly capable of winning the Stanley Cup this year. Yep. Um, they don't have to do that much this offseason. They addressed their needs when they got tourists in that three-way with Ottawa and Colorado back in November. They added to their team even more when they got Ryan Hartman in a trade with our tribal Chicago. They had the team to win right now. And they're out of the playoffs because they failed to deliver. Simply put, they failed to deliver. And Winnipeg simply played better than they did. Yep. I mean, you look at Victor Arvidsson and Philip Forsberg in Game 6, and throughout the course of the playoffs, both guys had their moments. Mm -hmm. But this team didn't look as dominant as I thought they would. Um, like I said last week, heading into the second period of Game 3, 3 nothing lead should be easy for them. 
six of the next seven goals in the back of their net and they lose. Like, if they were dominant in this playoffs, they couldn't keep the, their momentum going for a long enough stretch, yeah. and the opposition would make them pay for it. And I talked about how good the Jets were in the second period, um, or sorry, how Tampa Bay uh, um, got beat up by Washington this the games of the conference finals in the East. Second period of game one, Jets put up two goals, Nashville gets zero. Nashville reversed that trend in game two, but got outscored 4 nothing in the second period of game three. Second period of game five, Winnipeg gets another four goals. That middle frame was about as deadly to the Friars in this series as it's been to Tampa Bay in the first two games of the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, but as you mentioned, Pecorine was a big reason, also a big reason why yep. they lost. Because on three occasions, he was pulled, and that didn't include Game 3, where five goals went past him. Yep. EAA of over four at home. Hellebuck was sharp as can be on the road. But it wasn't all his fault. And I think the biggest reason was they didn't get it done on home ice. One and three in this series. Only game they won was in double OT. They could have lost that. P.K. Subban gets four power play goals. If that's not enough to win a series, then in my opinion, you don't really deserve to win this series, period. And yeah. they didn't. I guess that's fair. You, there is some blame in terms of the skaters. I I don't. I agree. I don't think it's all Rene's fault, but the fact that he was pulled in three games and then he gives up five game uh, five goals in game three, I believe. Yeah, um, game three. Yeah, as you as you mentioned, um, that's that's not good. Um, it's not so. a good look on him. No. And, Especially with the season that he had. Yeah. So so and he, and the the weird thing is is he's probably gonna win the Vezina Trophy. Yeah. Um, and uh, but like he's like this has been a common thing for Rene um, in the past. It's, he's always been so inconsistent, and it seems like this is the time where um, like it actually hurt the most. Like he started to struggle when when he needed to actually excel. Like, it's one thing to struggle in the regular season, um, but if you're, you know, it matters more if you uh, you shouldn't struggle, obviously, during the playoffs. So um, so there is that factor of things where I feel like Rene should take more of the blame than the actual skaters. Um, just because, like, you, we expect this is a... He has been playing a Vezina caliber season, um, and he, you know, he didn't show it um, in the postseason in this series. And, and in Game 7, he owned up to it. He would, yeah. In the media, he owned up to his mistakes in Game 7. Absolutely. You can fault Rene for Game 7. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just think that, that there were uh, several points in that series where Nashville lost it as well. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is like where... We're debating, uh, like, it's a stupid debate to really have. But, yeah. Uh, I, I'm just saying that I feel like Pecorine does deserve most of the blame for uh, for this series loss. But um, not just for the Game 7, but, like, for the the series. But I do understand what you're saying. It's not like the, the team ahead of him uh, did a ton either. Um, so, so there's that. Um yeah. All right, let's go to uh, 
we have some other things on the rapid fire. Oh, yeah, so Mike Fisher officially retires. Um, I think we, we briefly mentioned that. Uh, Dubas, Kyle Dubas is officially the Toronto GM. We've been kind of, um, it seemed, well, Lou Lamarillo was out as the GM last, uh, I think, the couple couple weeks ago, and now Dubas is, um, it looked like all signs were pointing to Kyle Dubas being the Toronto GM. Um, I think Hunter was supposedly vying for that GM spot, but it seemed like he's not actually going to do that, and I think he's going to continue to be a scout there. Um, but, um, yeah, so Kyle Dubas is officially the Toronto GM. He, he's finally, like, I think he's big into advanced stats and all that stuff, so um, so it's a big win for all those advanced stats community people, um, and we'll see how it goes. It's it's going to be interesting. I, he's had a lot of hype um, beforehand, so we'll see how it goes. And not just hype, he's got winning pedigree. Yeah, that's um, it. When he was the GM of the Sioux Greyhounds in the OHL, um, they rapidly learned how to win, uh, thanks to guys like Sheldon Keefe and uh, the coaching staff that worked for him. And uh, during that time, the, the Greyhounds developed a lot of good players, the most notable Darnell Nurse, and some guy named Matt Murray, who's won two Stanley Cups. Right. Um, and then you look at his success with the Marlies. Um, is, he had some previous roles uh, with the, the Marlies organization that included player personnel, managing the club's player development department and farm system, managing the organization's research and development department, overseeing the organization's top prospects as GM. And right now, the Marlies are in the third round of the AHL playoffs. Uh, Sheldon Keefe, once again, at the helm, in front of all that success. Um, they finished atop the AHL for the second time in three years. 190, 90, and 24 during that stretch, by the way. Yep. And some of the key guys on those Marley's teams play for the Leafs right now. Those oh. guys would be Connor Brown, Connor Carrick, Travis Dermott, Zach Hyman, Andreas Johnson, Kasperi Kapanen, uh, Josh Lebo, oh, and uh, free Willie Nylander. Right. So... You look at a lot of those guys, the majority of that group are get, is going to be a part of the Maple Leafs for years to come. Uh, so this guy has got hype. He's got a winning pedigree. And he's frankly got his work cut out for him. And I don't think they would give this job to him if he wasn't ready because, you know, the NHL draft appears to be the least stressful thing on his mind because he's got UFA situation uh, galore. Bozak, JVR Komarov headlining that list. The trio of Matthews, Marner, and Nylander are up for uh, contract extensions. Nylander being the most noble because he's an RFA on July 1st. And then, of course, there's the chore of making your team better. And uh, that's going to be probably the most difficult part for Kyle Dubas on top of, you know, keeping the guys that they have. As for the Mark Hunter situation, I think... The Leafs made the right decision um, by hiring Kyle Dubas because you look at Minnesota, they're interviewing several candidates for their vacant GM position. That list includes former Toronto Maple Leafs GM Dave Nonis. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of other executives are looking at John Ferguson Jr., the mastermind behind trading Tuka Rask out of Toronto. If Kyle Dubas is on the open market, he's an automatic front runner for just about every vacant position in the front office. 
if you have guys like Dave Nonis and John Ferguson Jr. getting interest from other teams, you have a better chance of keeping Mark Hunter on board, provided he doesn't quit. So right. I think uh, the Leafs made the right move here. Yeah, I think so. It, it seemed like it's um, it's hard. It's um, it's one of those things where, like, like even two years ago, you know, we're all thinking like, oh, it's Dubas' job once Lou leaves or is fired. So, um, so yeah, it makes sense that like he he's been the guy, like Dubas has been the GM in waiting uh, for them for quite some time now. So it seemed that way at first. So I mean, but I think Mark Hunter will maybe be a part of the organization. If not, um, I'm sure his feelings might be hurt a bit. Um, and we'll see if that actually, um, happens or not. So that, that's a thing to look out for, um, in, in that regard. Um, also a fun little stat here back in 1987, devil's owner, John McMullen, thanks uh, to our friends at Sportsnet for this, decided to replace a 63 year old hockey man named Max McNabb with a 44 year old athletic director of Providence college. That man had zero NHL experience. Take a guess as to who that man was. Uh, oh, oh, I know that Brian Burke. No. I thought he had a connection to Providence. There's uh, who? I mean, he might have, but uh, this man was named Lou Lamorello. Oh, interesting. Maybe I was and that mixing those two up. Pretty well for New Jersey, didn't it? Yeah, that's true. Maybe I was mixing those two up. I thought I thought Brian Burke had a connection to Providence. Um, maybe I was thinking of Lou. Um, yeah. So uh, so we'll see how that goes. I guess Lou. We're not sure where Lou is going to go. I guess there's rumors that he's going to the Islanders, but we'll see. Um, and then, until then, he's an advisor with the Leafs. Yep. Unless he leaves, he's an advisor uh, with the Leafs. Um, in other news. Um, Rod Brindenmore is the Hurricanes head coach, and um, big surprise here considering uh, it seems like, I wonder how he got the job. Um, and then Don Waddell, who was the GM when Ron Francis was fired um, as GM, and he's going to stay on as the GM there. But it seems like this is, this kind of just shows me, or like, from what I've been reading, it seems like this is all just to show that, like, uh, Tom Dundon, like, this is Tom Dundon's team. Like, he's not gonna, he's, he's gonna be, like, a different owner and being over-controlling on the team matters where, like, it's, like, usually the GM's job to do everything, whereas the owner will take more charge in things and, um, and do what he sees fit kind of thing. So that's that's kind of scary um, if I were a Hurricanes fan um, to see, like, what does Tom Dundon see um, or wants, like, a big change in um, to see what will happen. But um, at the moment, yeah, Rob Brindamore and Don Waddell um, are the new team uh, together, and we'll see how that goes. Yeah, um, also it should be noted that Don Waddell was named president, and uh, just a week ago the team hired Rick Dudley as the new VP of Hockey Ops, so it all appears uh, settled in the front office at least. 
And uh, according to uh, ESPN's Greg Wyshynski, uh, this move checks off some boxes for uh, Tom Dundon. Quote, Brandon Moore has seven years of experience as an assistant coach under both Kirk Muller and Bill Peters with the Hurricanes. Tom Dundon likes his work ethic and honesty. Yep. He's a fresh name as a head coach, but also a safe play, given his familiarity with the organization. Rod is a franchise icon, winning the 2006 Cup as team captain, which should help ease some concerned citizens, end quote. And speaking of team captain, Brendan Moore already says he's got somebody in mind he's going to share with the organization first, but he's got someone in mind for a team captain. There's not going to be any co-captains like there was last year or the year before that. Mm -hmm. They're going to have one individual leading this team. Uh, And he also preached on getting more from his guys. He believes there are a lot of guys in the room that can give more. He believes there are a lot of great personalities, great character guys. But those guys didn't produce the way they can produce. Um, And uh, he he also says that they're going to demand more from, uh, from the players of that organization. And he believes at the end of the day, he believes that they want that as well. So... Um, now I guess the focus shifts to the actual team itself and how they can make this team good again. And by good, I mean contending for Stanley Cup every year. Right. Um, I mean, they do have a good, they do have a good group out. You know, they have guys like Sebastian Ajo, Tivu, Teravainen, and Jeff Skinner, um, Mm -hmm. most notably. And then you also have, like, guys like Noah Hannafin, Justin Fulk, um, I'm, I'm blanking on Jacob Slavin um, on the defensive side of things. So they do have a good group of core guys there, but it's also, um, you know, we'll have to see if it, like, Rob Brindamore hasn't really been a coach. Um, I know he was an assistant coach for the Hurricanes and, and all that, but we don't know what he's going to be like as a head coach per se. Um, and that's going to be a a weird, um, situation, but, um, yeah, um, and it's, I don't, it's one I don't of those think he really has any even head coaching experience at the AHL level either. Yeah, that, that's kind of what scares me a bit is like, I'm not sure if he can just like jump right up and, and be a coach Yeah, right jump away. in and, and take charge and exactly. take the wheel, yeah. But, uh, I mean, I know he was an assistant coach, so, I mean, he does have some experience, to be fair, but um, it's still a little scary in that regard. Yeah, um, yeah so, uh, so what, uh, I guess we're, we're kind of short for time, um, but, uh, I know, I know, it's, it, it feels like I should, like, it's like, are we sure this is, um, <laughs> there isn't anything else that we should talk about, but, um. The, uh, so yeah, you can, uh, talk about, Phil, my, since I don't really follow the CHL at all, I only really sort of follow it during the, um, during the Memorial Cup, which it looks like is about to happen soon, so fill my mind, Steve, what are the big teams, what are the players I should be looking forward to? Um, okay, so... Uh, the Regina Pats are hosting the 100th edition this year, so we know they're going to be in it. Um, on Sunday, we didn't know any of the three teams prior uh, to all the games being played. We didn't know any of the three teams taking part. 
And uh, all three teams clinched their spot uh, yesterday, so let's take a look at uh, what we have. In the OHL, we talked about how good the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds were throughout the regular season. They made that big trade to get Taylor Radish as well from uh, the Erie Otters. So everyone thought, okay, they're the team to beat. They're pretty much a lock. And they got eliminated. They fell to the number one seed in the East, the Hamilton Bulldogs. They're the OHL champs. And uh, Robert Thomas was arguably the star of the show, not just in Game 6, but the entire series, the entire playoffs. This guy has been huge for the Hamilton Bulldogs. Uh, In Game 6, he scored uh, what turned out to be a pivotal 4-3 goal for the home side. Uh, In Game 1, he won 21 of 32 face-offs. Game 4, he recorded 1 assist and won 16 of his 28 face-offs. Game 5, 2 goals, plus 4. Um... 32 points overall in 21 playoff games. That is the makings of an OHL playoff MVP. And that's interesting for the St. Louis Blues because not only did they have the OHL's regular season MVP, that was Jordan Kyrie of the Sarnia Sting, mm-hmm. they also have the OHL playoff MVP this season, Robert Thomas. So uh, the future looks bright in St. Louis for the time being. Uh, and to add on to that, Another St. Louis prospect shined in the QMJHL playoffs. That would be at Katie Bathurst goalie Evan Fitzpatrick. Uh, the Titan are uh, the second team taking part. They prevailed in the six-game series versus Sens prospect Drake Batherson and the Blevin-Boisbriand Armada. He stopped 115 of 121 shots over the four games that his team won. Evan Fitzpatrick did. Uh, so congrats to Akedi Bathurst. Uh, first Memorial Cup appearance since 1999 for them. Uh, and uh, in between, they've had a lot of losing seasons, uh, threat of relocation as well. So um, love to see uh, good uh, fairy tale endings like that, and hopefully it continues for them. In the WHL, we talked about how good Everett Silvertips goalie Carter Hart was, but he's not in the Memorial Cup either. And uh, Edmonton Oilers prospect and Swift Current Broncos goalie Stuart Skinner was a huge part of why uh, they're going home. Um, in uh, the first three games, he turned aside 100 of 107 shots. His team is up 2-1 to one after a pair of OT winners. In game four, Skinner pitched a 32-save shutout, uh, charged with four goals on 38 shots in what could have been a series-clinching game five. But they had a second chance to clinch their spot uh, last night, and he stopped all 31 shots in a 3-0 win. Uh, So the Broncos claimed their first WHL title since 1993. In 1989, they won their first and only Memorial Cup. So that leaves us with uh, the four teams taking part in the Memorial Cup this year. The host, Regina Pats, the OHL champion, Hamilton Bulldogs, the QMJHL champion, Akedi Bathurst Titan, and the WHL champion, Swift Current Broncos. So one of those four teams are going to be playing... Uh, two of those teams will be playing in the final. One of them is going to be winning it all. So uh, it should be interesting to see uh, how that unfolds. Um, and uh, the tournament kicks off on Friday, so it should be lots of fun there. I also want to make a quick mention uh, of uh, the RBC Cup. We found out that uh, the Humboldt Broncos will be icing a team next season despite of course, the unforeseen circumstances for April 6th, uh, April 6th where uh, um, 
all, a good chunk of their team was killed in that bus crash, mm-hmm. and a lot of others were injured as well. Um, they will be icing a team next year, though, and um, their uh, president uh, was on hand uh, for the RBC Cup opener and got a huge ovation, so that was nice to see. Um, the Ottawa Junior Centers of the CC- CCHL are taking part in that, and uh, probably the biggest news out of that uh, tournament so far was a team out of Chilliwack deciding to fire their coach before the event began. Wow. Never, ever seen that before. I, I remember um, the, the local team uh, that's five minutes away from my house, the Canada Lasers, yeah. I believe at the time. I believe at the time they're actually called the Canada Stallions, but they were hosting the uh, Fred Page Cup. And I they were either in the playoffs in an early first round exit or altogether, but they fired their coach, I believe. And, uh, they ended up, um, bringing a new coach on board to prepare them for the tournament. But that was like, you know, a solid, at least a month, maybe two months before Mm -hmm. the tournament actually began. This was nine days before, I, that's that's totally strange to me. Something must happen behind the scenes that we don't know about because uh, I <laughs> I really don't know why you would fire a coach nine days before a national championship tournament got underway. It makes no sense to me. So there there's probably a good reason behind that. So yeah, that that is interesting. Um, I wonder what is truly going on. I assume we'll find out sooner than later, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you want to talk about Alex Lyon and his big night? I I actually had a couple of things. Um, yeah, sure. there's... Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that and we'll get to Alex Lyon. But uh, yeah. spoiler alert, uh, AHL goalie had a banner of a game. But uh, Brett, we'll get to your things, uh, quick items first. Yeah. Um, well, first off, I was, well, because I was just looking at other things that we could talk about. Um, that, that is true. I forgot about that Alex Lyon and the AHL game. But, um... There's also, uh, first off, um, I have three items. Um, okay. One isn't really hockey-related, though. But um, So we'll, we'll do two. Um, the, uh, the Predators will not be offering Scott Hartnell a contract. Um, I yeah, also, to be perfectly honest, that's not much of a surprise to yeah. me. No, I agree. That's not really a surprise. And then um, the Ice Hockey World Championships have been going on. I just wanted to update people on that. Uh, It looks like Sweden and Russia are both, um, both have five wins. um, And Team USA has four wins. I did, if if you're a Bruins fan, Charlie McAvoy, uh, David Pasternak, and David Krejci have all been uh, let, loaned to their countries. Uh, Charlie McAvoy even had a, uh, a great first game. I think he had like five points. Um, in yeah, his it, was, first it game. was against South Korea and they trounced him yeah, too. Yeah, I mean, I, I know it's South Korea and all that stuff. But, but that's that still, amazing. I think it was like two goals and three yeah. assists or something like that. And then, um, yeah, something like that. And then if you're also a Bruins fan, you might want to check out Czech Republic because you have uh, David Pasternak and David Krejci who have been loaned there too. Um, and they've been like on fire as well, um, in there, but I, um, but yeah, so it seems like Sweden, Russia, um, USA, 
Finland have also been doing pretty well for them as well. Um, so that's, you know, it's, it's kind of exciting because for the worlds, because, I mean, of course you don't have a lot of the Americans playing, or, or a lot of players in general playing because, you know, they're in the playoffs. So, but like it's, um, since there's no Olympics, it's kind of cool that uh, at least some of them, some of these NHL players are playing um, nowadays in in this in this tournament here um, when their team's not ready. So um, it is kind of cool to see like Patrick Kane and Johnny Gaudreau all on the same team, um, even though they probably won't have a guy like Blake Wheeler or Connor Hellebuck uh, to help them out. Um, but yeah, and that and that was the other one. I guess we could go to the AHL one before I talk about. Apparently, uh, sports betting is legal here in the states. Um, so that was the uh, last thing I wanted to talk about. But oh, really? I, I thought that was a thing before. No, it, well, it was only. I guess I can talk about it now. It only was allowed in states in Las Vegas and uh. Atlantic City. But now the U.S. Supreme Court rules that federal ban on state-sanctioned sports betting is unconstitutional, besides case in favor of New Jersey. So now you can bet in, uh, you can gamble in sports in New Jersey and Nevada. Um, but now it seems like um, it's possible that other states will allow sports betting pretty soon. We'll see how that goes, though. But with all due respect, I think a lot. No disrespect to New Jersey. I think a lot of people are still going to go to Vegas, though. Yeah, but I mean, it, like New Jersey has like I don't I don't know people who live on the East Coast and like Atlantic yeah, City. I, I don't guess. know. Yeah, for the sake of convenience, yeah. yeah. But if you want to go on vacation and do sports betting, true. it's going to be Vegas, probably. True, true. But I mean, it, it loses. Uh, Vegas loses its appeal a bit, though, considering now yeah, that you can bet anywhere else. Um, so, but I mean, if you want to go to casinos, then you go to like places like New Jersey or Atlantic city or Vegas. So, so Vegas doesn't lose that much appeal, but, um, but it will be interesting to see, um, how that all rolls out. But yeah, it looks like, um, other States could, uh, eventually allow sports betting. Um, it, it's, it's kind of a wait and see process, but it is, um, something that could happen. So, um, so that's kind of exciting if you're big into sports gambling. Um, of course, we don't. I, I'm okay with gambling as long as you're careful with your money. Like, don't like spend your entire life savings. On yeah, like one if, thing. if it's just like a friendly, I I bet you five bucks that Pittsburgh's yeah. going to be Washington that's to kind of deal with their friend. I don't I don't mind that. Yeah, but we we don't advocate like you know widespread gambling exactly or like that. We don't yeah. at all. The anyways, uh, the AHL had a, the longest game. It was against the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, which is uh, Alex Lyons' um, team, who had like a yeah. ton of saves. And I, uh, you might have to fill in the blanks for me because who did they play? Yeah, was it the so, Marlies? Uh, the uh, Philadelphia Flyers farm system, the Lehigh Valley Fans, were taking on the uh, Hurricanes farm system, the Charlotte Checkers. Okay. And uh, Alex Lyon had himself a game. Uh, stopped 94 of 95 shots in a 2-1, five-overtime thriller. Wow. Absolutely crazy. Like, it, it's one thing if you face, like, 95 shots – 
in a game where it's like a seven to six score, but you stop all but one of those 95 shots. That's absolutely insane. Yeah. And what's even crazier is that the live Valley Phantoms only had 53. So the shots were 95 to 53, pretty one sided. Yeah. And the uh, high Valley ended up uh, prevailing in that game. It, it was kind of funny behind the scenes as well, because, um, um, in the dressing rooms, in the Live Valley Fam's dressing room, you know, they would have, like, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches uh, during the intermissions. One time, I think one of the players' moms uh, or a grandma's uh, bought uh, brought in some brownies for them to have. I think it was the end of the third or the fourth. So it's it's just great bonding moments. But I, I can just imagine just – I can't even – actually, I can't even imagine at all what it's like on the bench. Like, whose turn is it? I don't want to go on. I'm too tired. Yeah. Which is, I guess, even incredible for Alex Lyon too, because he was in that for the whole darn game. He didn't, yeah. he didn't take a shift off. He was, you know, well, he, is a goalie. he mentions uh, taking a knee, uh, you know, when the play was at the other end. That's the closest thing to a rest that he got, wow. and um, stopped ninety four of ninety five shots. Absolutely incredible. That's impressive. Yeah, it is like it does like because Alex Lyon's in the the Flyers system. You Carter also have Hart is too, Carter yeah. Hart. And then they also have uh, Anthony Stolars as yeah. well, who uh, was out indefinitely for the entire season. Um, so, so yeah, the Flyers have historically not had great amount of goalies, um, you know, um, just in history. But it looks like those three could be something one of those days. One of those three, at least. But we'll see. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's about it. We're, we're now at an hour. Um, um, yeah, enjoy. Actually, before, before we uh, sign off, I, uh, didn't get to my, uh, Hockey Hall of Fame book of trivia. You want to oh, go yeah. through that? Sure. Okay. Let, let's do it. Yeah. All right. So, uh, normally we do at the beginning of the show, but we're kind of rushed for a time. So we're going to, we're still going to do this at the beginning of the show, but for today we'll do it at the end. It's fine. So this week, uh, question 14, Brett, are you ready? I am ready. Yes. All right. So here's your reward for listening to about an hour of us rambling. <laughs> How many players became Hall of Fame members while their pro contracts were still active? A, according to Hall bylaws, no player is eligible until retirement. B, only one, that would be Chris Pronger. C, three, Gordie Howe, Guy Lafleur, and Mario Lemieux. Or D, four from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, I was going to say A, but then I did remember that Chris Pronger is in the Hall of Fame. I remember that news story a couple of years ago, but he, even though he's technically on a contract, he's still allowed to be in the Hall of Fame. So I'm going to go with B, Chris Pronger. Yeah, right on the money. Yeah, yeah it was Chris Pronger. So it is kind go. of ridiculous that they're, that he's allowed to do that. Um, <laughs> but whatever. He's, he's the only exception to the rule I to know. this point. Um, it's a, it's kind of annoying, but whatever. Um, Chris Pronger doesn't abide by any rules. Um, the uh, all right, I guess that's it. I'm Brett Dubuff. Uh, oh wait, wait, social the, media, social oh, media. Yeah. Uh, Twitter, we're at uh, at Lace Up Podcast. Um, our Facebook is Lace Them Up. Um, yeah, and uh, we we have a blog somewhere. <laughs> um, uh, we haven't updated that in a while, um, but yeah, uh, I don't think I don't 
think you updated it yet, right? No, no. This, I think it, this race is probably going to be more like an off-season thing. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe do something on the World Cup, but uh, my schedule's pretty hectic. So whenever my whenever I have uh, some time, I'll, I'll get to that. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, <laughs> I haven't even... Uh, I I always been teasing that I've I've been uh, I'll I'll get on and write something, but I never actually yeah. am, so so there's uh, that. But um, yep, yeah, uh, I think that's it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Bowser. We'll talk again in episode 126 of the Lace Them Up podcast.